So uh, we're continuing our series uh, called Empowered, which is uh, we're looking at the beginning of the beginning, the beginning of uh, the beginning of the church. And so uh, uh, it's a, a series we've been looking at, uh, just asking the question, how did the church start? What, what was what entailed that and so on? And, and one of the things we saw right away was that the early church started as a result of the Spirit of God being poured out on the people. So this Holy Spirit being poured out. This, and it's called baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you see it described as the coming of the Spirit or filling of the Spirit and so on. And so, uh, and so we're going to be asking some questions about that this morning. So if you would, we're going to continue on. We're going to be in chapter uh, 8 again. Um, uh, and we're going to be starting in uh, verse 9. And so if you have a Bible, if you please turn there or a phone, it'll also be up on the screen over here as well. Uh, and so I'm going to be starting in verse 9. So hear the word of God. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying, he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, only that they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. for Your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that you have clearly revealed yourself um, in these 66 books of the Bible, that, um, that you would clearly show yourself, revealing to us um, your nature, your being, as well as how we might know you. And so, Father, speak to us through it this morning. Uh, use this broken vessel 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, um, we've talked a lot about how the uh, Spirit has empowered and filled the church and has been poured out upon them. Um, but we really haven't answered any of the questions of, like, what exactly does that mean? Okay, uh, what does it mean? And, and so, as soon as you start to read through Acts, a bunch of questions start to pop up about the Holy Spirit. Uh, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And all these types of things and so on. And so uh, I, I, I want to deal with a few of these questions. But I'm going to actually, as we answer some of these questions, I'm going to ask you guys questions as we go along. But first, I want to kind of share some of my experience. So when I uh, was a uh, um, young man, I was 18, I, I, I went to uh, a friend of mine was inviting me to church. Some of you have heard this part of my story. Uh, this guy just kept relentlessly inviting me to go to this church with him. And finally, I relented and went on a Wednesday night. And it was there, I, you know, I saw people singing and praising God. I, I'd never seen that before. I grew up in a you know, very uh, traditional, I grew up going to my grandmother's church. It's a really traditional Methodist church. And, I mean, you didn't even tap your toe. I mean, you know, it, it, even like at a, you know, a party or anything. So much less, you know, clap your hands, smile, and, you know, actually act like God gives us joy, you know, forget that part, uh, you know, and the preacher yelled a lot, and he had a lot of red faces and stuff, and so, uh, so I went to his church, and was like amazed, like, wow, these people seem really happy, there's some joy, and so I stuck around and listened, and eventually believed and, and received the gospel, and so eventually, because this was, I only would go on Wednesday night, so finally, I, I came a Christian, so what do you do when you become a Christian, you have to go to church on Sunday morning, to actually get up out of bed and go to church. Well, I went to this church, and turns out this church was a, um, a charismatic Pentecostal church, which I didn't know. They didn't, they didn't reveal that to me on Wednesday nights, at least not, not the way they did on Sunday mornings. I, sh- I showed up Sunday morning, and I was freaked out because people were running around. They were, you know, yelling, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was a scene of chaos in my mind. And uh, they, they were, you know, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, which I finally, uh, you know, learned later. That's what they called it. And, you know, they were making sounds that I didn't understand. Uh, one lady fell down and was, you know, uh, uh, looked like she was having a seizure. Uh, there was a guy running around with a, a flag in his hands and so on. And it, I, I just want to be honest, it scared me. And so it put, it got me. And so I had some, I think I had some mentors. I had one guy, his name was Lloyd Holden. Uh, passed away, um, you know, and uh, he didn't try to say, okay, this is wrong, this is right. He just said, read the Bible. And he pointed me to some passages, and I began to explore this issue and so on. But, I mean, it just really, this experience of mine really kind of like made a lot of questions. So, because there's a lot of differing opinions. So I, I went from uh, a church where it was hardly okay to smile, <laughs> you know, to like, crazy it was crazy I mean it was like you know it was a party going on in there uh so I want to ask some questions like what does it mean to be filled with the spirit what is it what is the baptism of the spirit we've seen here uh and what is this outpouring of the spirit uh, and so on um and so I, I just want to look at this story and then but out of it I want to ask some questions okay and so we see this story and we see what's happening here okay and, and the first thing we see this amazing thing is the gospel being spread you know, we, we said last week that, you know, the, the early church began, and it was just pretty much in Jerusalem up to this point. 
you know, the, the church has really just stayed put. They've been in Jerusalem, and they've stayed there. And it really, what it took was persecution. It took uh, the stoning of Stephen and then Saul beginning to pursue Christians and, and begin to seek to imprison them, maybe even put them to death. And it took that to, it says that the, from that they were scattered, okay, because God had called them. In chapter 1, God called the church. He said, I, I want you to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and there's no period after that, right? It was here in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and then ultimately to the utter end of the earth, right? To, to everywhere. And so we see that happening here. And it took persecution to do that. But it's, a, it's really cool because you think about what it would take to take this, this leap. Because uh, Jews, by the way, didn't really care for Samaritans, Right? They didn't care for anybody that wasn't a Jew, period, but really didn't care for Samaritans because Samaritans were uh, considered kind of, uh, if you know the, wor- the world of Harry Potter, they were muggles. <laughs> they were half-bloods, you know. They were kind of a mixed race. They were no longer full-bred, full-blooded Jews. And they were mixed in because of the, the deportations that Babylon and all that had, done, had happened and so on. And so they... they didn't particularly hang out with these people. And so here they are, bringing the gospel to them. And it's amazing, because these Samaritans receive the good news. They receive the gospel. And so the first question I just want to start with here is to ask, do you believe? Do you believe the message? Do you believe the gospel? That that God himself sent his son Jesus, and he lived a perfect, selfless, sinless life, for you, on your behalf, and he died a death, okay, paying the penalty for your sin. Do you believe that message? Okay, so before we can go on and ask these other questions, we need to start there. We see these early believers, these Samaritan believers, they received, they believed, and then because of that, were being baptized with water, okay? But then another thing happens, because they weren't, so there's just like, there's like a delay, something else happens so Peter and John travel to Samaria, and they come, and they pray, and they lay hands on these, earth, these believers in Samaria, and something else happens. And it says that the Spirit was poured out on them, was given to them as a gift. Okay? And so it looks like they, there's belief in receiving the gospel and baptism, a water baptism, kind of, kind of their part, and then... There's like this subsequent filling of the Holy Spirit, this coming of the Holy Spirit upon him. What does that mean? And so I'm going to ask a second question. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And what does that mean? Because we see throughout the book of Acts, all these groups of people are being baptized, it's saying, being uh, filled or being poured, the Holy Spirit being poured out. Has that happened? What does that mean? Okay? Now, many would say, and there's a lot of groups that would say that, um, that if you're a Christian believer and you've believed and received the gospel, that you should have a second experience of grace. So becoming a believer is an experience of grace. And then later in your life or some other point, you must be baptized with the Spirit and so that you can be to live this full, complete Christian life. Okay? 
And many would tie that to speaking in tongues. They would say, actually, that the, the, the initial, the, the, the one evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Speaking in either another language or speaking in an angel language. You know, it depends on who you're talking to, what they would say about that. And so, is, is, that what, is this, a, is this a evidence of a second experience of grace that we must have? And if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to live the full Christian life. You're not going to be a, a, a 100% Christian. Maybe you're 80%. But if you be 100% Christian, you have to have this second filling baptism of the Spirit, okay? Is that necessary? And I'm just going to go ahead and just say no. Okay, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to have some exp- a second experience. And, and it's certainly not always tied to... Uh, these speaking in tongues events, okay? So let's take a look at it, okay? Because there's actually, through the book of Acts, we see four main comings of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we saw it in chapter 1. If y'all remember, it was the first one, right? We call it, it was in, it's Pentecost. It's, you know, it's a, the Feast of Pentecost was happening in Jerusalem, and the believers were there, and it says the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and it showed itself, like, it said, like, uh, flames, like, like, Tongues of fire. There's these man- physical like, or visual manifestations. Um, and then they are speaking in tongues. And God's spirit is poured out on them. And you see this initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And then you see this one here. You see it here with the Samaritans. Again, you see this second baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's not the only ones. Believe it or not, there's also another one uh, in chapter 10. When you see Cornelius believed, Cornelius being a Greek, uh, he believed, and it says that he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon him. Okay? And then there's yet another one in chapter 19 where you see this, a, a small group of John the Baptist's disciples. And they had been baptized in John, but they hadn't heard the gospel, hadn't heard the message, and they are, again, the Spirit comes upon them, and they are baptized with the Spirit. However, is it something that every believer must have, must, you know, it's just something that needs to happen, okay? And I'm going to say no, okay? Because I believe these subsequent baptisms are what they mean. They are, okay, um, they are what they, these are signs of the coming of the Holy Spirit first to Jerusalem, okay? And then you see it happening here in Samaria, and then, then to these other, uh, uh, other places in the world. You see uh, Cornelius and then these other disciples, okay? And you really see these three phases, really. Samaria, or excuse me, Jerusalem, Samaria, then the utter reaches of the world, right? And so why, so why wouldn't these guys receive the Spirit right when they believed? Well, it, the, the answer is obvious, because... It, it, it tied them back to Jerusalem. And so in one way, it legitimized them as Samaritans believing and being included in the church. Because there would be a lot of Jews who would say, wait a minute. You know, I thought, I thought God's love, his grace, and the church was for Jews, right? Jews and Jews only. So these guys had to become Jews or what? No, they didn't have to. And so they're being legitimized. On the flip side of that, Samaritans are always trying to separate themselves and we're always trying to 
uh, create their own religion apart from Jerusalem. You see that with the woman at the well. Do you remember the woman at the well? She asked Jesus, where should we worship? Here? On this mountain? Or in Jerusalem? There was a debate going on. And what this is doing is tying them back to say, no, Jesus was, this is, Jesus from Jerusalem is where this faith originates. This is where you need to tie your faith to, to the church there, okay? But here's the thing, okay? Baptism of the Spirit is never commanded anywhere in Scripture. We are never told to be baptized with the Spirit. Okay? But rather, baptism of the Holy Spirit, this coming upon us, being poured out on the Spirit, is tied to when we become believers. Okay? Uh, baptism of the Spirit is the initial inclusion of born-again people into the church. Did you hear that? So, baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we believe, we trust, we genuinely are born again, we become a part of God's church. The baptism of the Spirit, that's when that happens. It is an initial thing. Now, there was a gap here, tying it back to Jerusalem. For, for the general experience of a believer, if you have believed, you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that is a genuine heart belief and trust in Him, You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Let's look. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, we get a place where this baptismal Holy Spirit is described for us. Okay, it says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's basically saying that, we've mentioned this before, that there's, even though we're different, there's different... All, all the differences are different nationalities, uh, gifts, and so on. We are one body. For, for, he explains this, in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slave or free, and are all made to drink of one spirit. So when, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is God supernaturally including us into the church, his people, this body of Christ. And so that's why the water baptism is also a sign of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of being included into the people of God, the church. Okay? And so, um, but here's the thing. So every believer should already be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's nowhere in the New Testament or anywhere else that would command you to go seek some other baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? Never does that, okay? Uh, and so, however, this is an experiential event that should have uh, observable, recognizable results. You follow me? Okay, this isn't something, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, now you may not, you could, a believer may say that and just be ignorant. Okay, but if you know what it should look like and what it should result in, you should be able to say, absolutely, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There should be no question. Okay, How do, so because if you look, go the, you go through the book of Acts, you'll see that those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is an observable, uh, tangible, recognizable uh, result from them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What are those results? Okay, 
one of them, you should be able to say, uh, I've, I've seen the Spirit at work in my life causing me to fight sin. It's causing me to praise God. and to So there's, there's a heart change happening. So there's going to be some visible differences in your life. Okay? We, are no, we go from being indifferent to God or maybe hostile to God to, to singing His praises. And so very often when the Spirit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens with God's people, you see the praise of God. You see people beginning to, to praise and adore and begin to worship God and begin to turn away from sin and their idols and so on. So there should be a result there. Another aspect of it, okay, is um, there's a boldness and courage to begin to sh- and, and desire to share the gospel with other people. We see that throughout as well, okay? And then there's also times, so there's going to be life change, and there's going to be uh, ministry. The Holy Spirit empowers life change, and he empowers ministry and service and spreading the encouragement of the gospel, so on. Okay? So there should be a tangible result. So the question is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? If you don't see some of these results, or you don't see some of these evidences, you know, you may need to question, maybe ask the question, have I received God's Spirit? It's one thing to believe or think you believe the gospel. Have you received, genuinely received the supernatural baptism of the Holy Spirit? Okay? And so the, the, uh, um, John and his, uh, uh, his epistle, you know, kind of asks a question, you know, kind of goes through and there's these sort of tests of do I, am I a genuine believer? Am I genuinely saved? And it says, do you love other, do you love believers? You know, are you turning away from sin? You know, there's a, kind of these, these tests, so to speak, of are we genuine believers? So on. And it's the same thing here. Okay? So, have you been accepted? So, and, I mean, excuse me, thirdly, third question I want to ask you guys is, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Wait, wait, Russell, didn't you just say that we... Are all baptized in the Holy Spirit? What's the difference? Well, there is a difference. There's a discernible difference throughout the New Testament between uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Baptism in the Holy Spirit is never commanded. Never, we're never encouraged to be rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. Once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're a part of God's people. You are supernaturally brought in to his, the body of Christ. Okay? And again, that should have results. There's a spiritual reality, supernatural spiritual reality of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. However, we are commanded and encouraged to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, There's a difference. So uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, we see a direct command. It says this, do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this, I'm going to break up with this thing. I'm going to kind of take this apart in a couple of ways. But first of all, this command, this is a command. This is an imperative verb here. So you know what I mean by imperative? It means it's telling us to do something. Okay? It is saying, be filled with the Spirit. So, however, but it's also, in, in the Greek language, um, it uses tenses to communicate. 
uh, much more than we do. Okay, and, and it, so you could probably, you actually could very well translate this continually, regularly be filled with the Spirit. So it's a command to, to, to regularly, continually be filled with the Spirit. And so um, it's a command. So what does this mean? Because the church that I came to know Jesus in, and I went to Sunday morning and, and kind of got freaked out about it, they would say that you need to do this, and uh, this is a, uh, an experience, an emotional experience, you know, and it should be done with tongues, and all this stuff should go along with it, and so on. And, and it's very often tied to emotional experiences. And let me just tell you, that is not what's going on in this verse at all. Okay? Because what, what Paul is doing here is he's contrasting being filled with the Spirit with a negative. He's saying, okay, be filled with the Spirit, which is not, which is, but do this instead of doing something else, which is drunk, getting drunk with wine. Why would he compare these two things? Okay? Now, there's a lot of other things that are, you know, debauchery or sin or whatever that he could have used here. But he uses this idea of being drunk with wine. Okay? Let me just stop here and just say, this doesn't mean you can't drink wine. <laughs> okay? It's not saying that. Okay? Now, drunkenness in the Bible is, uh, is you were commanded not to get drunk in the Bible. Bring the verse back up for me, thanks. Uh, however, this, is, this verse is saying don't get drunk with wine. But that's not the point here. Okay, this, yes, it is going in line with a lot of scriptures that say don't get drunk. Okay, drunkenness is bad. It can make you stupid, it makes you, you know, you, you know, it's a lot of bad things about it. It's bad for your health, it's bad for all kinds of things, okay? Drunkenness is bad. However, that's not what he's saying here is he's contrasting being filled with the Spirit with getting drunk. Why? What happens when you get drunk? You lose what? Control, right? So when you get a DUI, was it? Yeah, DUI. They sometimes say WDWI. I don't know why. Why? But what's okay? Under. So normally DUI stands for driving under what? The influence, right? So in other words, driving while under the control of alcohol, which is bad. <laughs> your reflexes are slower, you, you know, your blurry vision. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons driving while under the influence. So, so what he's saying here is don't be influenced by wine. Or, if, frankly, you could almost, I think if you, I, and I don't know Paul's mind, but I, you could almost substitute that with almost anything. Don't be, don't be actually, I know you can, because Paul in other places talks about this. He says, but basically, don't be controlled by anything, but rather be under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit. So when you're driving, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You can have that uh, bumper sticker that says, you know, God is my, my co-pilot or something like that. You know, those cheesy bumper stickers. Uh, it should be, though, God is my pilot. But just make sure you're still in the driver's seat. Okay? Uh, we get into the sovereignty and responsibility aspects of our faith in that one. Um, 
All right, so being filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. In other words, okay, it is in turn to be filled with the Spirit is to receive His power in your life. Okay, so when we talk about, uh, you know, I want to grow as a Christian. I want to be more loving to my spouse. I don't want to, you know, I need to stop yelling at the kids or you know, I need to be more loving or serving. We think about all these things. How does it happen? We've said this. It happens through the power, the empowering of the Spirit in our lives. And if we don't have that control and power of God's Spirit in our lives, we, will be, we won't have fruit. We will be impotent. We will be powerless. And, and, and so we are encouraged throughout the New Testament, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, you know, you know this, I think of uh, when, my, when uh, my oldest son was a teenager, we made him cut the grass. And, and you know, cutting the grass in Florida is great, isn't it? Uh, it's wonderful. Especially this lovely grass called St. Augustine, which is actually, from what I've heard, just like a modified weed. You know, and it, it's just so uh, light and fluffy, right? You know, it's like so thin and light and fluffy. No, it's like thick, gnarly, heavy grass. Well, uh, to cut it, most people would use a, a lawnmower that has uh, self-propelled. So I bought, when I was cutting it, I bought myself this really nice uh, self-propelled lawnmower, you know. And, I mean, it, when I first bought it, I mean, you almost had to run behind this thing. It went so fast. It was awesome, right? Well, you know, he's cutting the grass, and something happened, and this, the, 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 the transmission or the part of the self-propelled aspect of the lawnmower quit working. Guess what I did? I, well, guess what I didn't do? I didn't run out and, like, buy, you know, go pay to have it fit. Nah, I didn't. And actually, I don't even think he knew it. <laughs> this is, like, wicked dad here, right? This is mean dad. Because, like, I, I don't think I even told him about it, but he's out there just like, ah, I mean, like, you know, I let it go on for a while, you know, and like later, you know, I, I told him about it. He's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you let me, I mean, because he was out there sweat. I mean, it, we had thick, gnarly grass too, and he was just going. So, you know, but that lawnmower without the power just didn't work like it should. It was, it just didn't go. <laughs> we need power in our lives. So Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Be under the control of the Spirit. Okay? Now, however, um, there, we, there's, there's a reason very often we're not. And I think there's a little bit of a clue, one reason particularly, where we may not be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of reasons. Okay? It could be unrepentant sin. Uh, it could be, re, you know, resistance to God. There could be all kinds of things. But I think one way... I think a lot of believers are not being filled with the Spirit is what we see here in this passage. We see Simon, this magician, right? And cool story. God reaches people way out on the fringes. We're going to see that next week. That God reaches people that we don't normally think God can reach. Okay, and this is one of them. This Simon magician, like, this is the guy, if you're, like, doing, like, you know, if you're going out trying to share Jesus or, you know, on a missionary trip or something, like, this is the kind of guy you avoid, right? He is out there 
making himself a name, you know? He's like, look at like what it says about him, you know? Um, you know, they, you know uh, says, uh, describes him saying uh, that he himself was somebody great. And so he's performing some, some kind of magic, some kind of tricks, whatever. And let me tell you, there's a lot of churches out there with leaders who are charismatic. They've got gifts. They can speak well. They can, they, and, and some of them can even perform some pretty amazing tricks. Let's put it that way. And they fill, they fill coliseums. And this is this kind of guy right here. So this is, this is the kind of guy who's got a crowd already. You know, he's got people coming around him. And the cool thing is, is he believes. All right? And, but he, he sees uh, Peter and John come, and they lay hands on the believers there, which, by the way, laying, this laying on of hands, nothing magic about it, but it's a sign of conference. You know? So when somebody becomes a leader, like in the Jewish uh, mindset here, when somebody became a leader, they would lay their hands on saying, we're conferring, right? It's a, it's laying on a hands is a sign of conferring or giving or whatever, right? So, for example, when the, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the scapegoats, they would have the goat and they would lay hands on the goat. Not to confer leadership, but to confer sin, right? We're going to give you our sin. So it's like we're going to give you guys a, the we're going to give you validation or whatever. So he sees that happen, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes, and, and there's a result. These believers are praising God. There's life change happening. The cool things are happening, right? And Simon says, ooh, I like that. I want it. However, there's a danger here. So when, when, this, when Simon here, okay, he offers... Peter money. So he hey, I want that. I'll give you money for it. I will pay you so that I can have this gift. So I can have this power to, to do this or whatever. And, and Simon says, no, man. Why? What's the problem here? Simon is coming to God, coming to the Holy Spirit for what God can give, not for God. Does that make sense? In other words, Simon, many Christians today also, think the Holy Spirit is like just a power. It's in, the Holy Spirit's in it. And if I can get it, then the, I'll get good things from getting it. You follow what I'm saying? And we can so easily come to God as an it. He's like a vending machine. We come to him saying, oh, I, I, need, I, need, uh, I need better kids. My kids need to be better age or i need a better job i need i need to stop you know i need to be a better person i needed this i needed that i needed this and we you know come to god and we hope if we punch in the right uh formula on the vending machine god will give us what we want that is not being filled with the spirit being filled with the spirit is submitting to a person it is stepping into a relationship you follow? So the Holy Spirit isn't in it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And here we see Simon. Now I mean it's filled with the Spirit here. He's trying to purchase a power. 
And let me tell you, churches are filled with people seeking not God, not to know God, not to submit to a holy, righteous God and to his word and to know him and be in relationship with him. They're looking for an experience. They're looking for feel good. They're looking for the power in their lives that God can give. But there's a catch there, right? If you just go for the power, you're not going to get it. And so, um, are you coming to God as an it? Or are you submitting to him as a person? Being filled with the Spirit is about a relationship. See, Jesus did not come to this earth okay, to suffer and die so that you could get some good stuff. So you can have a good life. And you have some good experiences and feel good and all this stuff. And he, he didn't even do it ultimately so that you could be in heaven one day. And not go somewhere else. <laughs> right? He didn't. He, he, he came and he died to invite you into a relationship with him. So that you might be relationship with God himself. That is the beauty of the gospel. However, when you step into real relationship with somebody, it means submitting to things. It means giving away things. It means sacrificing, right? If you've been married, if you know, if you've ever been in a relationship, it means give and take. My kids discover this all the time. They go outside and they're playing with friends and one of them will inevitably come in eventually and say, they're not playing what I want to play. Have you ever heard a kid do that? Is anybody, yeah, right? We never did that when we were kids, right? And I'm like, no, you know, and they're like, I'm like, well, why? Because like, I want to play Minecraft, and they want to play Pokemon. They always want to play Pokemon. I want to play this, you know, and they're fine. They, you know, so, you know, sometimes they'll all go away. You know, they'll all go back to their houses mad and pouting because nobody will play what they want to play. And, you know, the reality is for, for, for them to be in relationship, it means sometimes, we have to explain to this, sometimes, son, you have to play what other people want to play. Sometimes you have to give, you know, give up what you want right now. That's what being a friend means. That's what relationship means, right? And so, but when you're in relationship with the creator of the universe, it starts with, I don't have anything. God, you know, I submit all. I give all. Especially the one who gave all to us. So, let's ask this question. Have, do you believe the message? Do you believe the gospel? For number one, I guess start there. Number two, in that, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Now you, it's, it's, so in, order, in other words, it's possible to think you are a Christian and not be. Because baptism of the Holy Spirit, genuine belief, becoming a genuine believer is a supernatural event that God does. And it will have a supernatural result. And if not, that's okay. We invite you. Let's talk about that. Let's Discuss, let's let's go before God with that. Okay. Secondly, or thirdly, are you being filled with the Spirit? Are you being filled? Are you being controlled? Are you submitting to? And are you in relationship with God? And, and this is a regular thing. Now, most if you are like me, you may be thinking, not really, <laughs> not today, not this morning. I mean, I. I have to be, I'm going to confess to you guys, like, I'm not feeling filled with the Spirit today. 
Like, I, I'm feeling tired and uh, kind of grumpy. You know, Amanda's gone. You know, I uh, didn't sleep well. It's all, you know, go down the list. I, it's, I don't feel that very much. The good news is, is, like, God is so gracious and loving. And he's like, just come on. Repent. Turn back. Simon, I know you're looking at me for gifts. Repent. Turn. I think Simon was a believer. Now, there's a lot of debate about this, but I think Simon was a believer. And I think God is so gracious. Now, uh, Paul definitely says you have no part in ministry right now. <laughs> okay, so if, if you're in, in it for what God, if, especially if you're in ministry or seeking ministry or service for what it can give you, get out. <laughs> it, is, it is going to, to take you down. Like, that's just how it works. Um, okay, but are you seeking to be filled with the Spirit? Are you seeking to submit to him and be in a relationship with him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your grace and your love for us that would uh, allow for the fact that we, we're, not, we're not normally being filled with you. We're being controlled and, and guided, and we submit to so many other things. We allow the, the cares and the worries and the concerns of this world our agendas to take over. And so, Father, I pray like right now that we would stop and just take this moment to say, God, we surrender. We surrender to your will. We surrender uh, to your control. But in that, we surrender to your love and your grace and ultimately the power to live our lives, the power to love others, uh, the power um, to give or even ourselves away. So, Father, uh, fill us this morning. Holy Spirit, fill us uh, that we might experience your love and grace this morning. And we uh, pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.